64,000 is the median number of words per book. Average person reads about 200 words per minute. Simple math will tell us that is one book in 320 minutes. To accomplish this in seven days, numbers say you would have to read for 45 minutes a day. Don't forget to subscribe. Hit that notification button, like, comment, and share. Enjoy. Hello, and happy day. How does slowing down sound to you today? Would you like to reduce the noise for just a bit? Are you ready to make a choice and decide to listen? My name is Igor, SF Walker. I am here to remind people to slow down, to reduce the noise, to walk their lives into a natural flow. Welcome back to the Book of the Week series. Every week, as I read another amazing title, I share it with the world. Today, we look at love, medicine, and miracles. Lessons learned about self-healing from a surgeon's experience with exceptional patients by Bernie S. Siegel. In this video, we rediscover that unconditional love is the most powerful stimulant of the immune system. The truth is, love heals. Miracles happen to exceptional patients every day. Patients who have the courage to love, those who have the courage to work with their doctors, to participate in and influence their own recovery. Stick around till the end. I will share with you some tools I haven't used that will help you tremendously in this game of life. Discover a way to find out what actually motivates you. What innate human need is driving all of your decisions and your behavior. I will share some tools to improve your self-awareness, social awareness, self-management, and relationship management. Physicians need to be good technicians and know how to prescribe. But for healing to occur, they also need to incorporate philosophy and spirituality into the treatment. We need to feel as well as think. When one's existence is threatened, there are more issues and questions to confront than what medicine to take or what operation to undergo. We need a mutual investment society, a patient and the doctors investing in each other. Survivors deal with the spiritual, existential, and emotional aspects of their lives. When we commit ourselves to egoless, unconditional love, true healing begins. We are then not devoted to changing people, but devoted to the people. Love itself is a miraculous healing force. In a sense, it is the miracle and the reason for being. So ask yourself what lessons you are here to learn and learn that lesson by the way you distribute your love to the world. What are patients really like? Bernie found that there are three kinds, about 15 to 20% of all patients, unconsciously or even sometimes consciously, wish to die. On some level, they welcome cancer or other serious illness as a way to escape their problems through death 
or disease. These are the patients who show no signs of stress when they find out their diagnoses. As the doctor is struggling to get them well, they are resisting and they're trying to die. If you ask them how they are, they say fine. And what is troubling them? Nothing. In the middle of the spectrum of patients is the majority, about 60 to 70 percent. They're like actors. Auditioning for a part they perform to satisfy the physician. They act the way they think the doctor wants them to act, hoping that then the doctor will do all the work and the medicine won't taste bad. They will take their pills faithfully and they will show up for their appointments. They'll do whatever they are told unless the doctor suggests radical changes in their lifestyle. But it never occurs to them to question the doctor's decisions or to even strike out on their own by doing things for themselves that just feel right. These are the people who, given a chance, would rather be operated on than actively work to get well. At the other extreme are the 15 to 20 percent who are exceptional. They're not additioning, they're being themselves. They refuse to play the victim. When acting out a role, patients cannot help themselves for everything is being done to them instead of for them. Exceptional patients refuse to be victims. They educate themselves and they become specialists in their own care. They question the doctor because they want to understand their treatment and participate in it. They demand dignity, personhood and control no matter what the course of the disease Exceptional patients do indeed want to be educated and made doctors of their own cases. One of the most important roles that they do demand of their physicians is that of a teacher. In the face of uncertainty, there is nothing wrong with hope. Hope is not statistical. Hope is physiological. Hospital personnel must realize that people aren't living or dying. They're either alive or they're dead. As long as they're alive, we must treat them that way. I find the world terminal terribly upsetting. It means we have begun to treat the person as if though he or she is already dead. Studies have shown that it takes doctors and nurses longer to respond to the call button from a terminal patient room, then a button pressed from someone who's not labeled that way. The word implies a state of mind more than a physical condition, and it turns off the staff's empathy and ability to give the full measure of care needed. An unreserved positive self-adoration remains the essence of health, the most important asset a patient must gain to become exceptional. Self-esteem and self-love are not sinful. They make living a joy instead of a chore. The mind does not act only through our 
Conscious choices, however, many of its effects are achieved directly on the body's tissues without any awareness on our part. The body responds to the mind's messages, whether conscious or unconscious in general. They may be either live or die messages. We not only have survival mechanisms such as fight or flight response, but also a die mechanism that actively stops our defenses, slowing the body's functions and bringing us towards death when we feel our life is no longer worth living. Every tissue and organ in the body is controlled by a complex iteration of chemicals circulating in the bloodstream, the hormones secreted by our endocrine glands. This is controlled by the master gland, the pituitary gland. The output of the pituitary hormones in turn is controlled by both chemical secretions and nerve impulses from the neighboring part of the brain called the hypothalamus. This tiny region regulates most of the body's unconscious maintenance processes such as heartbeat, breathing, blood pressure, temperature and so forth. Intellectual and emotional processes occurring elsewhere in the brain affect the body. See, before I can help patients choose treatment, I must learn about their attitudes towards themselves and their disease. It is especially important to gauge the strength of their will to live and then to strengthen it by getting them to express their anger, their fear and other emotions. The will to live is not a theoretical abstraction but a physiological reality with therapeutic characteristics. We need to explore the answers to four basic questions. Number one, do you want to live to be a hundred? Number two, what happened to you in the year or two before your illness? Number three, what does the illness mean to you? And number four, why did you need the illness. As Carl Simenton has said, I believe we develop our diseases for honorable reasons. It is our body's way of telling us that our needs, not just our body's needs, but our emotional needs too, are not being met. And the needs that are fulfilled through our illnesses are important ones. It cannot be overemphasized that this last and most important question, why did you need this illness, must be asked constructively, not as a way of saying, look what a mess you've made out of your life. It is intended to help patients realize that the emotional needs met by the illness are all valid. When the needs are accepted, a person can move on to satisfy them in constructive ways without the disease. There are sound scientific reasons why we call robust, unrestrained laughter hearty. It produces complete, relaxed action of the diaphragm, exercising the lungs, increasing the blood's oxygen level, 
and gently toning the entire cardiovascular system. Norman Cousins termed it internal jogging, and others have likened it to a deep massage, a story or a situation that we anticipate will be funny, creates a rising level of tension reflected in pulse, skin temperature and blood pressure. This tension is suddenly released in muscular contraction with the punchline, where the muscles of the chest, of the abdomen and the face get a little workout. And if the joke is a real knee slapper, even the arms and legs reap the benefits. After the laughter, all the muscles are relaxed, including the heart, the pulse rate and the blood pressure temporarily decline. According to some scientific studies, laughter also increases the production of a class of brain chemicals called catecholamines. These include the compounds that in some circumstances stimulate the fight-or-flight response, which may inhibit healing. However, increased amounts of some of these compounds in the blood can also reduce inflammation by activating a different part of the immune system. In addition, they increase the production of endorphins, the body's natural opiates. The survivor personality can be learned, although it can be thought the way algebra or chemistry can. Bernie conceives of it as, as a broad process of psychological and neurological maturation. A growing up that paradoxically involves remaining a child too. It means being childlike but not childish. Siebert lists the following indicators of self-motivated growth. Aimless playfulness for its own sake, like that of a happy child. The ability to become so deeply absorbed in an activity that you lose track of time, external events, and all your worries, often whistling, humming, or talking to yourself absent-mindedly. A child's innocent curiosity, an observant, non-judgmental style, willingness to look foolish, make mistakes, and laugh at yourself, open-minded acceptance of criticism about yourself, an active imagination, daydreams, mental play, and conversations with yourself. The following signs that show that person is reaching a synergistic level of functioning. Empathy for other people, including opponents. The ability to see patterns and relationships in organizations and equipment. Recognition of subliminal perception or intuition as a valid source of information. Good timing especially when speaking or taking an original action. The ability to see early cues and clues about future developments and then take appropriate action. Cooperative nonconformity, refusing to be controlled by improper laws, 
or social standards, yet choosing to abide by them most of the time for the sake of others, unless attempting to change them. In other words, an avoidance of empty gestures, being comfortable in complex, confusing situations that others find bewildering and frightening, keeping a positive outlook and confidence in adversity, the ability to absorb new, unexpected or unpleasant experiences and be changed by them, a talent for serendipity, the ability to convert what others concern, concern accidents or misfortunes into something useful, the feeling of getting smarter and enjoying life more as you get older. These develop automatically from personal growth toward expressing love, both self-love and love for others. And although personality change is hard, you can make each of these traits your own. There are two major ways to make these changes easier by working with a supportive therapy group or sharing honestly with your most trusted loved ones, you can confront your habits and your behavior. The second way of facilitating these changes is by regular meditation in which you visualize yourself as you want to become. This helps you work at the unconscious level of the mind where all the meaningful change occurs rather than just on the conscious level of awareness. The idea is to love because it feels good, not because it will help us live forever. Love is the end itself, not the means. Love makes life worth living no matter how long life lasts. It is also increasing the likelihood of physical healing. But that is the bonus, the icing on the cake. Yet, though quality of life is the most important thing, people naturally want to extend its quantity too. Most of the people who have changed in response to illness, those mentioned in this book and thousands more like them, have outlived their doctor's expectations by their own lives. They have proven that love and authentic spirituality do increase one's time as well as one's joy. The average survival time of the Simonton's patients is about two and a half times that of similar patients who receive only the standard medical treatments. About 10% of their patients remain disease-free, past the standard five-year definition of a cancer cure, and an extraordinarily high number compared with the rate of self-induced healing among seriously ill or terminal cancer patients in general. Someday, after we have mastered the winds, the waves, the tides, and the gravity, we shall harness for God the energy of love. Then, for the second time in history of the world, men will have discovered fire. And there you have it. Love, Medicine, and Miracles by Bernie Siegel, M.D.
please do help out show some love simply like this video so more people can enjoy it share it too and spread the word leave a comment and share your thoughts subscribe to my channel and stay up to date and the link to this book is in the description below so buy it and read never stop learning especially learning about yourself and nature so gift yourself by taking the free human needs test on my website and find out what actually motivates you what innate human need is driving all of your decisions and your behavior and if you feel you are ready to improve your self-awareness social awareness self-management and relationship management even further do check out my master of life awareness program the links are in the description below thank you love and respect